happy to be with you guys today. And before you sit, let me read four verses from Matthew chapter 16. And this is a critical moment between Jesus and Peter. This is kind of a pivotal moment in history, to tell you the truth. Verses 13 through 16. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? What is the word on the street about me? And they said, well, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And then he flips it on them and he says, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter, of course it was Peter, who piped up and replied and said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Amen? The Son of the living God. This message is called, Believing is Becoming. Believing is Becoming. So Heavenly Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for starting the good work in every one of us and promising to complete it. We wanna encounter you today. So have your way. We love you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Give away a high five. Scoot in if you still have room and take a seat. You guys feel good? Anybody taking notes today? My favorites, there we go. It's a good day to take notes, if I don't say so myself. Okay, welcome to week three of this teaching series called The Future You. Have y'all enjoyed this series so far? I love, I love this series. Uh, last week, by the way, Ryan's message, how good was that? It was incredible. If you missed it, do yourself a favor, Go to YouTube, go to your podcast app and catch up on that message because Ryan essentially asked the question, how do I become who I want to be? Talked about winning the day, talked about decisions. And, and here's the thing, if, there, if you could almost chart the rest of your life up on a graph, it would look something like that. You today, the future you. Now here's, here's the reality. All of us right now are in the process of becoming something. You, in real time, are heading towards a destination called the future you. And the thing about the future you is it's really not all that mysterious. Sometimes we make the future such a mystery, like the future, who will I be? It actually is not that mysterious. I'm telling you, the future you will make complete sense. The future you will simply be the sum total of all of your, your thoughts and beliefs and prayers and decisions and actions. To put it simple, you will get to where you're going to one step at a time. I remember when I was 18, got my very first credit card. Couldn't believe on my 18th birthday how many actual banks deemed me worthy of my very own credit card meant the world to me. I thought, Wells Fargo, it's about time somebody saw the value in me. To quote Michael Scott, I'm very impressed with the potential you see in me, thank you. I will take a credit card. I also remember about a month later, getting my first credit card statement in the mail and reading the balance and thinking, I just got somebody else's mail. <laughs> That's how it felt, excuse me? How much, like, there's no way I just spent that much money in a month. There has to be some kind of mistake. How did I get here? Oh, such a mystery, but wait. 
They actually do you the favor of outlining every step you take to get to that balance. So I start reading it, Chipotle toll road, Chipotle toll road, Chipotle with guac, extra dollar 50, toll road, new shoes, new jeans, happy hour, happy hour, Chipotle toll road. I'm not a complicated man, and this is not a complicated concept, but it is real. You will get to where you're going to. So if you don't like where you're going, well, then now's the time to do something about it. The future you. And this sermon in one sentence is this. The thoughts you believe will determine the person you become. Isn't that good? The thoughts you believe will determine the person you become. And if that's true, then here's the question to follow that up. What do you have to believe in order to become who you want to be? What do you have to believe in order to become who you want to be? That's such an intriguing question. If I want the future me to be more confident, and I do, if I want the future me to be more joyful or peaceful, and I do, if I want the future me to be a better husband, a better dad, a better pastor, a better friend, if I want me in the future to be thriving and not just me surviving, and I do, well then what do I have to believe about me and about God today in order to become who I want to be. Proverbs 23, seven says, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Craig Rochelle once said it this way, your life is heading in the direction of your strongest thoughts. That's true. And so if that's true, are you excited about the direction your strongest thoughts are taking you? Have you ever stopped to think about what you think about? and the implications of what you think about, because believing is becoming. What do you have to believe in order to become who you want to be? Now, in Peter's case, Jesus makes it a little bit more specific and zeroes in on the most important question ever. What do you believe about God? Here's Matthew 16, 15. Jesus said to them, but who do you say I am? A.W. Tozer once said, one of the most profound things I think ever said, what you believe about God is the most important thing about you. And at some point, every person on the planet has to make a decision, who is Jesus to you? Who is Jesus to you? Romans 14, 11 says, it is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me and every tongue will acknowledge God. And if that's true about then, then I just think it's better to be bowing our knees and acknowledging that he is God now. It's better to be doing that today. One phrase I've heard a lot over the past few years thrown out there is make sure you're on the right side of history when it comes to different social issues and cultural topics. And I completely understand that. But let me be bold and expand on it. There is coming a day where every knee will bow Every, I'm talking every person in history, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and make no mistake about it. Clarity is kindness, so here's clarity. This church exists to make sure as many people as possible are on the right side of that part of history. That moment in history is coming. Who is Jesus to you? 
The thoughts you believe will determine the person you become, so what do you believe about God? If you believe God to be some tyrannical bully God who just wants to take from you and demand from you and would strike you dead for even thinking about walking into the Lord's house today after last week, what's wrong with you? Then like it or not, that belief about God will shape who you are becoming. And all I can think to say to you is I can't wait for you to find out how wrong you are about this God. I can't wait for you to experience what he really believes about you. Believing is, is becoming. I mean, we know the whole lightning bolt thing is Zeus, not God, right? We're all clear. That's from Hercules, not the Bible, just to, just to be crystal clear about that. What do you believe about God? When people say, I mean, I do uh, pastoral conversations all the time. And I hear people say, sometimes they just quote this, sometimes it's their version of, I just know God's mad at me. And oh, in my heart, I just think, oh, that's because you don't know him. That's the, that's the only problem here. Oh, you just, you don't know him. When, when I see Christians take the amazing grace of Jesus and treat it as a cheap get out of hell free card, Jesus, thanks for the grace, I'm gonna do what I want and live how I want, I go, oh, you don't fully understand the gospel. You don't fully understand how good this God is how much he wants to, to give to you. If you believe that you've outsinned his mercy, if you think he doesn't see you, if you think he doesn't care, or maybe you just assume he's not working in your life because you haven't, you haven't tangibly seen him working in your life, then like it or not, those beliefs about God will determine the person that you are becoming in God. Maybe life has let you down recently. Maybe the past few years, just a, a lot of the low blows of life and maybe your faith has taken a hit. Maybe you've gotten your hopes down. I feel like God told me earlier this week, a lot of us today just need to make some decisions about what we believe about God. Maybe for the first time, maybe you need to re-up on it. Maybe, maybe you've been kind of standing in that in-between about the word of God and what you believe about that. You know, the beginning of James likens that sort of gray area because how terrified are human beings of just making decisions at all. And so we hang out in sort of the in-between, which is actually a subconscious torture for your soul in so many ways. James likens it to being like a little boat lost at sea in a storm without an anchor, blown and tossed about by the wind. But when you can decide or make a decision to make a decision today, this is what I believe about God. This is what I believe about the word of God. This is what I believe about the power of God's love to heal my marriage, restore my life. This is what I believe about the amazing grace of Jesus to, to make me a, a new creation today. I think a lot of us have been talking ourselves out of the promises of God, and all that tells me is you also have the ability to talk yourself back into the promises of God. Make a decision today. Thanks for the golf claps, Red Rocks, that's great. I, I'm gonna keep going, I'm gonna bring it. Don't you dare let your experiences in life dictate or shape your theology. You decide today to let your theology shape your experiences and how you frame up life. Why? Because believing is becoming. What do you believe about God? Who is Jesus to you? 11 minutes and 50 seconds into the sermon, I'm gonna come in hot right now because above, who's Jesus to you? Because above every new ad or product that promises to fix you and beyond any new leader or institution claiming to have all the answers, 
and beyond any new mindset or any new idea or whatever the new syncretism spiritual cocktail of 2023 is that's already different than the 2022 version that didn't work. Above all of that, there is one answer and one solution to the longings of your heart. There is one way, there is one truth, there is one life, there is a God who began a good work in you, and there is a God who has dreams of the future version of you that you couldn't even imagine, even if you tried. There really was a man named Jesus. Every history book will tell you there was a man named Jesus who walked this planet. And the word of God will tell you he really was God with skin on. And he really did live a perfect perfect life and he really did die a perfect death in order to forgive the sins of anybody who would confess him as their Lord and Savior including you and three days later he really did walk out of his tomb and 500 eyewitnesses really did hang out with him after he resurrected and his best friends really did die for this movement and his church has really done nothing but blaze like a wildfire for the last 2,000 years even in the face of unrelenting opposition I'm telling you that by his stripes you are healed, by his crucifixion you've been set free, by his resurrection you now get to live free. His name is Jesus, what do you believe about him? Who is God to you? Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. And it's no accident, it's no mistake that you're here listening to this today, so some pastor in an orange flannel can ask you the most important question you will ever be asked. Who is Jesus to you? Believing is becoming. In verse 16 of Matthew 16, Simon Peter answers this way, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. All right, now let me flip this on you. Here's the twist that you weren't ready for, 10 a.m. on a Sunday. Once you decide what you believe about God, then you need to decide what do you believe God believes about you. I picture Derek Zoolander looking up at the stars, God, who am I? <laughs> Your answer to that question is the biggest thing that will determine who you are becoming. You know, my prayer for you all week has been, if you could somehow see yourself the way God does for three seconds, you would never live the same way again. Everything would change. So I've been asking for that sort of supernatural miracle, God help us, even in worship after this message, see ourselves the way you see us from your vantage point. For three seconds, it would change absolutely everything. I once heard a pastor in California named Erwin McManus. He said, we're, we're made in the image of a great God. You're made for, for greatness. It's in your blood. You know, you know, I think the reason as humans that we drift towards addiction or crime or destruction or prison sentences is because we didn't wanna be average, but we didn't believe we could be great. So you move away from average, but in the opposite direction. You're made for greatness. GBB, you are made for greatness. Ladies, let me tell you, 
You guys, the reason you, you, you steal is because you don't believe you can create. If you believe you can create, you, you don't need to steal. And the real tragedy is not necessarily you stealing as much as it is you not believing you're made in the image of a creative God to create. You don't believe you have royal blood in your divine veins. You do, but if you don't believe it, you won't live like it's true. I, I think the, the reason you feel like you have to audition for a spot in every room you walk into is because you don't believe you have something to contribute. Can I just tell you that you do have something to contribute? God's put a deposit in you. Can I just tell you on behalf of our church, you make us better. We need what God has given you. You are his workmanship. He's given every believer something significant to do in the body of Christ. Don't hide from us what God has given you to share. You're made in the image of a great God. And so that brings me back to Jesus and Peter. And I wanna rewind the clock a little bit more to the very first day that Jesus met Peter. Because Peter, man, I love this guy. I can relate to Peter in so many ways because he goes from being the first human to confessing that, that Jesus is Lord to a few months later, denying he even knows Jesus to a 12-year-old girl at a bonfire out of fear. This guy goes from walking on water to cutting ears off to preaching the gospel so boldly to thousands of people. Peter is the cussing disciple who always had something to say. How many can relate to Peter? I love, I love this guy. John chapter one tells the story of the first day Peter met Jesus because at that time, his name wasn't Peter yet, it was Simon. Starting in verse 35, the next day again, John was standing with two of his disciples. Now really quick, that's not the Apostle John who wrote the Gospel of John that we're reading right now. This is John the Baptist. A lot of Johns, a lot of Marys, gotta keep up. <laughs> the, next, the next day again, John was standing with two of his disciples and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples who were with him heard him say this and followed Jesus. Now I want you to get into this scene because John the Baptist was the greatest man to ever walk this planet other than Jesus. And I'm quoting Jesus. John was Jesus' cousin, that's what Jesus said about John. But he was also a character. John was an interesting cat because scripture would tell us that uh, I mean, he spent a lot of time by himself. His fashion was made of camel fur and his, his diet was locusts and wild honey. So get this scene, picture this small group. You got like 10 guys having a powwow session under a tree, wearing camel and eating bugs dipped in honey. I'm like, is this not Austin, just to a T? That is so Austin. You'd walk past that in Austin and the, the typical Austinite would see it and go, right on, yeah. I get that. <laughs> it's not cool to follow Jesus, but it's cool to do that. <laughs> I'm done, I'm done. <laughs> Verse 38, Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, what are you seeking? Everybody's seeking. And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? And he said back to them, well, come and you'll see. And so they came and they saw where he was staying. They stayed with him that day for it, it was about the 10th hour. One of the two who heard, G, who heard John speak and follow Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, there he is, and said to him, bro, we just found the Messiah. And everybody then was waiting for the Messiah, so this is a bold, big thing to say. 
We just found the Messiah, which means Christ, and he brought his brother to Jesus. And by the way, that is the Great Commission made simple, and the Great Commission should be simple, that you are God's plan for your friends. You are God's plan for your coworkers. You are God's plan for the sphere he has placed you in, and you don't need all the answers. You don't need a seminary degree. Apparently, you don't even have to be, be following Jesus for two minutes. You just have to be able to bring your people to Jesus. Come and experience what this God thinks about you. Verse 42, Jesus looked at him and said, now this is kind of crazy. You are Simon, the son of John, that's a, yet another John. So you are Simon, but you shall be called Cephas, which means Peter or rock. So <clears throat> we have to acknowledge how socially awkward this situation is because Andrew shows up with his brother, says, hey, Jesus, this is my brother, Simon, and Jesus takes one look at Simon and goes, Simon, I know you, I love you. Uh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna call you Peter, though. Pete for short, is that cool? It doesn't matter, because I'm God, so I can do whatever I want, and I'm changing your name. But this is crazy, because he looks at, he looks at Simon, and essentially, back then, names were your identity. Names were everything. He just changed Simon's entire identity. Simon shows up and Peter goes, Simon, I see you and I love you more than you could ever imagine exactly the way you are. And by the way, that is so true for you today. God sees you and loves you exactly the way you walked in here today. In, in, a, in, a, in a day and age where everybody seems to know your Spotify rap, but nobody knows how bad you're truly hurting, God does. And when the deepest desire of the human heart is to know and be known by other people and by God, please know you have a personal relational God who knows everything about you and is unconditionally in love with you more than you could ever imagine. You walk in here, he goes, I see you exactly the way you are. I'm crazy about you, I love you. And I'm not gonna let you leave here the same. So I'm gonna give you a, a new name. This is who the world says you are, Simon. This is who I say you are, Cephas. Peter, Pete, Rock. I mean, Peter just got 2 Corinthians 5.17 by Jesus, okay, here it is. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. God designed you, so let God define you. I'm just under the belief, I, I, didn't I didn't make me, I don't get to define me. You sure as heck don't let to get, like other people who didn't design you don't get to define you. Let's let the designer be the definer. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, somebody say in Christ. That is your new position in Christ. The new creation has come, the old has gone, and the new is here. Jesus just gave Simon a new name. The old is gone. The new is here. You will now be called Peter, which means rock. Even though Jesus fully understands that Peter will go on to royally fail him over and over and over. That Peter's gonna go on to deny him three times, abandon him at the worst possible time, yet Jesus, who knows the end from the beginning, still decides to hand Peter the keys to his kingdom. Because Jesus sees the future him. 
He's just as in love with the current him as the future him, but Jesus knows who, who Simon, who Peter will go on to become, that Peter will become the rock that starts the church of Jesus that not even the gates of hell will prevail against. He knows that Peter is gonna go on to die a martyr's death and be willingly crucified upside down. Jesus sees all of it. He knows what Peter was born to become, and catch this, he calls him by that name, before he does any of it. So Cephas, Simon, didn't earn this new name. He received it. He was given it. And then he started acting like it. This will be on the screen behind me. There is a person in Christ you already are positionally. You've gotta get this. And now, you're just learning to live like it practically. There's a person you already are in Christ positionally, and now you're learning to live like it practically. You are already made perfect, even though you are in the process of being made perfect. Salvation followed by sanctification. Jesus gives you a new identity in order to change what you believe about yourself. Why? Because believing is becoming. Actions flow from identity. Behavior springs from belief. For instance, if you're trying to quit smoking and somebody offers you a cigarette, it's the difference between saying, no, I'm trying to quit, and no, I'm not a smoker anymore. Two very different things. Only the latter has the power to change because it gets to the identity. It gets to who you are. Not just, this is what I'm trying to do. That's why the majority of New Year's resolutions just fail by Valentine's Day because they have everything to do with just changing behavior. I wanna do things different, but the gospel goes straight to your identity and who you are changes you from the inside out. There is a person you already are positionally in Christ Jesus, and now you're just learning to live like it's true practically. Does that make sense? This is who I am in Jesus. This is the future me in Christ. Therefore, this is what I do now. And by the way, even when I fail to live it out, it's still who I am. Because my salvation is not in my hands, it's in his. So if you put that graph up there and you go, I've got me today, and then the future me I want to be, understand he will, he will call you righteous while you're still an addict or sub-addict for whatever your thing is, which by the way, you're not your thing but he will call you righteous, he will call you free, he will call you holy while you're still not. Practically, positionally you are in Jesus. I've confessed Jesus is my Lord and Savior. That's called salvation. I now get his undefeated record. I get his white as snow resume. There's no catch. Just saying, Jesus, I wanna make you my Lord and Savior. I wanna follow you. And then one day, you'll stand in front of a mighty God and all you will have to plead is the blood of Jesus, but it's all you need, and it's yours. And God sees you as that record today. He sees the end from the beginning and is now calling you onto this journey of becoming the future you that you already are. Later today, go open your New Testament, read how Paul starts all of his letters, the, the title he gives them. You know the Apostle Paul was a church planner, and then he would... He would move and plant more churches and then he would write letters back to those churches to encourage them and challenge them and admonish them. And just go read how he starts the letters because what you won't see is him saying to all the adulterers and addicts in Corinth, 
He could. He goes on to address a lot of that stuff in the letter, but that's not what he calls them. He doesn't say, hey, to all the broken people in Galatia, if he was writing a letter to Red Rocks Church, he wouldn't start it with, to all the imperfect people pursuing a perfect God at Red Rocks Church. He doesn't even say, to all the sinners saved by grace in Ephesus. How does he start it? Are you audacious enough to believe it? He says, to all the saints, to all the elect, to all the holy ones chosen by God. That's what Paul calls them. He's not saying they act like it yet, but he is saying it's who they are already. There's a person you already are positionally in Christ. And now they're learning, we're learning to live like it's true, practically speaking. Does that make sense? So if that's true, let me leave you with two questions. Here's the first. What beliefs do you need to build in order to become? What beliefs do you need to build in order to become? For instance, if you want the future you to be healthy, you need to build a belief that your body is a gift from God, that your body is a, a temple of the Holy Spirit, that it's not just a prison in which your soul is trapped, but it is deeply part of who you are, connected and affected by your mind and your spirit and vice versa. And, and it's not optional taking care of it, it's actually worship to the one who gave it to you. You need to build that sort of belief because the behaviors will stem from that belief. If you want the future version of you to be more generous than you are right now, you don't want it just to be, I've got great intentions and I've got great intentions for the rest of my life. Awesome, so does everybody. I'm saying the way you live, you want the future you to public, like decisionally speaking, I don't even know if that's a word, but decisionally speaking, I'm a generous person, then today you need to start building the, the abundance mindset that stops limiting what God wants to do through your life. You need to build a belief that you have a good heavenly father who likes to bless things like obedience and stewardship maybe more than anything else. If you want the future version of you to be more thriving in relationships, then today you need to build a belief that yes, I've got something to contribute, that you're worthy of love, that we want you in the room, that we wanna hear what you have to say. If believing is becoming, then what beliefs do you need to build in order to become? And then the flip side of that same coin, what beliefs do you need to bury in order to Become. Oftentimes, the process of becoming has way more to do with subtraction than addition. When me and Sam started dating, we, uh, it's like 10 years ago, we met on a mission trip and then started dating and a month into it, broke up on Valentine's Day. That was my bad. If you wanna hear that story, you gotta come back to the relationship series next month. But then a month after we broke up, we got back together on another mission trip. I know how Christian this sounds, okay? <laughs> we started dating and hitting it off. Things were going well, and that led to engagement. We were on our way to a future marriage, but there was a barrier to what we were becoming together, and it was shame. Uh, Sam did not have a sexual past before she met me. I did. Um, she had always dreamed of saving herself and purity for whoever her future husband would be. I did not live the same way and it caused so much dysfunction. Um, 
And here's why. Sam saw me as a forgiven guy, of course, but not necessarily a new creation guy. And there's a big difference between those two. And if I'm being honest, I, I saw myself the same kind of way. And it caused so much fights and dysfunction. And so Ethan's parents, Justin and Andy Matat, they are, for me and Sam, they're our marriage counselors. And they did premarital counseling with us um, leading up to our wedding. And we would go over to their house every, every few weeks and have dinner and then go to the living room and just talk marriage, talk life, talk love. Um, and my history came up for like the 10th time this one night. And, and by the way, I hope you can just like picture the, this living room because this is why God's potential on your life is inseparably connected to the people that are in your life. So much about the future you, you can, you can determine, once again, not a mystery, you can determine based on the people around you, which is why um, in a lot of ways what they believe also matters in the way they live and um, check this, your current crew will determine the future you. You didn't know your pastor had that much swag, did you? I'm kidding. Of course you did. Back to the living room. Justin, all of a sudden his demeanor changes and he, I still remember the couch me and Sam were on and he's on the chair across the coffee table. Gets really fierce, um, protective all of a sudden because he looks at us and he goes, you guys need to make a decision. Decide to decide tonight. You need to decide to see each other the way God sees you as new creations. There's a former life and there's a new creation. See each other that way or option B, have the bravery to break up. I'll say that to somebody in here, I feel that. Because that shame will be a cancer to your marriage. I'll say it this way, where you're going, that can't come. That can't come. I saw this happen like in, the, in the security line at the airport just four days ago, heading to Denver. There was a guy who was freaking out like a five-year-old because the poor TSA lady was informing him his check bag was in fact not a check bag and too big, he had to check it. You can't take that on the plane, sir. And he started just freaking out on her and saying, no, it's fine. She said, no, it's not fine. I thought about getting involved, but then I realized homegirl doesn't need my help. Apparently she deals with this all the time because she handled it. She said, all right, fine, sir, here's the deal. You can stay with your bag. You just have to stay here because your bag's not going through. <laughs> Got him. I watched this play out. And she was my angel messenger with a sermon metaphor from heaven, straight to me, because how often is God saying the same thing to us? Where we're going, that can't come. This belief, this posture, this habit, this apathy. If you could only see the good plans I have in store for you. I've got a destination through this security line that you would not believe immeasurably more is the future you than all you could ever ask or imagine, but you can't take that with you. Where we're going, we travel light. That's baggage, that's heavy. 
You need to drop it and bury it. Heaven doesn't let shame through security. And for me and Sam, we just, we had to make, we had to make that decision because shame is such a corrosive thing to your soul. By the way, your sin will not keep God from getting to you. Jesus already made sure of that, but your shame will keep you from running to him, which is why it is so such from like the, the pit of hell is what shame is. And I had to decide, and Sam had to decide, I am who God says I am. I am a new creation. The old is gone, the new is here. That was a former life, and I am literally new by the blood of Jesus. But is that just something you say? Is that just a cool idea? Or is that a conviction of your identity? Say, grace only sounds like a delicate word till it comes face to face with shame and it gets violent, and grace wins every single time if you let it. The grace that saves you is the grace that is carrying you on to a future you that, by the way, you already are in Christ Jesus. So that night, me and Sam, we just dropped it, we buried it. Uh, I think there was something supernatural to it because for some reason, it just, we, we, we just let it go and released it. And guys, if this is not a testimony to the grace of Jesus, this weekend, I'll stand on this stage and preaching the same message to every Red Rocks location in Austin, in Denver, in Brussels, and thousands of people all over the world telling a story about my sexual past before I met my wife. And at the last service, my beautiful wife was right here in the front row making heart eyes at me the whole time. I'm telling you, what used to cause so much pain and dysfunction, we make jokes about and laugh about. That's, that's what shame cowers and when, when grace is on the scene. Don't tell me. The gospel isn't real. You are so much more than just a forgiven guy, just a forgiven girl. You are a new creation daily with the blood of Jesus. You're just learning to live like it. But the more you believe it about you, the more you will. So what beliefs do you need to bury in order to become? What beliefs do you have that, are, that you can't take that with you? There's a reason you feel stuck in your faith. You're at security trying to take this with you and heaven won't let you. What belief is it? Oh, I believe God can use people, just not me. Okay, you need to bury that if you wanna keep going. Oh, I'm too old, I'm too young. I'm somewhere, I'm too in between. I'm too poor, I'm too used up, I'm too, I'm too stuck. Okay, it's not true. But as long as you believe it is, you will live according to it. Believing is, is becoming. You can't take that with you. You're trying to move on to a true you with a false belief. And God is saying, you need to, you need to drop that and bury it. This, this scarcity mindset that has you believing God won't provide for you if you really try finances his way. This, this imposter syndrome that has you so exhausted trying to perform to prove yourself in any room that you walk into, you need to bury it and leave it here. This unforgiveness, this bitterness, you need to deal with it. You, you don't talk about it because it was 12 years ago. It happened to you, it wasn't even your fault, but it is your prison. And I'm telling you, you can't take that with you and you get supernatural help to release that if you lean into it. It's like Jesus is saying, I'm not gonna let you spend the rest of your life thinking you're worthless when I actually believe that you're worth dying for. Bury it, drop it. I'm not letting that through. You are a new creation by the blood of Jesus. And now it's time to believe it so that you can go and live it. Resolve to bury it and resolve to never dig it up again, amen? Guys, will you stand?
What do you need to build as far as your beliefs go? And what do you need to bury? I'm praying that you get that X factor, God factor, sort of help with that, even during worship. Science tells us we, we can change our brains. The word of God has been saying that for 2000 years. Romans 12, two, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person, into the future you. How? By changing the way you think, by changing what it is that you believe. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, his good plans for you, which by the way, are good, pleasing, and perfect, amen? All right, with every head bowed, eyes closed, I need to ask probably multiple people in this room and watching online right now the most significant, important question you will ever be asked for the rest of your life. What do you believe about God? Who is Jesus to you? Because there is coming a day when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess, Jesus is Lord. And I'm telling you, you showed up today to find out firsthand what this God actually thinks about you, how in love with you he really is, how much he knows you, knows the end from the beginning more than you know yourself and is unconditionally madly in love with you at the same time, not interested in religion, interested in relationship wanting to give you a new identity and all that's required from us is simply to go, okay, yeah, God, Jesus, I believe that you're, you're Lord and Savior, be my Savior, you're everything. I repent, I ask you to forgive my sins, help me to day by day begin to walk this out with you. And you could know that today and decide the most important thing that will shape who you're becoming right now. And if that's you, just be bold, throw your hand up right now so I can pray for you. Let me see, if that's you, let me know that I'm talking about you. Let's go, let's go, come on. Come on, let's go, let's go. Heaven is getting more crowded right now. Online, be bold. If you're driving, listening to your AirPods, one hand on the wheel, the other hand in the air, out the window, best decision you will ever make. Amen, amen. You guys, can we make some noise because heaven just got a lot more crowded in this room today. Hey, let me pray for you. Let me pray for all of us. Holy Spirit, for everybody, everybody, Jesus, who just received you as their Lord and Savior, would you help them in their hearts to pray this right now and echo this, that Jesus, I love you. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for conquering the, de the grave for me. Thank you for forgiving my sins. Thank you for setting me free. Thank you for helping me to live free. I give you my life, my heart is yours. I make you my Lord and Savior. And for everybody else in this room who just needs that supernatural help to build a belief or bury a belief, would you give them that help right now? Would you help us even for three seconds as we praise your name to see us from your vantage point, the identity you've given us, who we say you are, the goodness of you, the goodness of you that's gonna be on our lives for the rest of our lives and the plans you have for us. We love you, pray this boldly in the beautiful, powerful, wonderful name of Jesus Christ. And everybody said, amen, let's worship.